This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mother of four, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome back to another episode of the Crystal Pain Show. It feels like it's been a really long time since we've sat down at these microphones, doesn't it, Jesse? It does. There's a lot that's gone on since our last episode was recorded. I feel like we lived about three months instead of, I think it was three weeks that we took off. I was planning for us to just take off two, and then last week... You were leaving for a hunting trip and I was really tired and we just decided, you know what, instead of us trying to power through and do a podcast late at night, it's probably not going to bring a lot of great material and might have a whole lot of rambling. We just said, we're going to wait another week. And it was really good. Actually, over Christmas, I took a five-week break from five-week break. (laughs) I took a five-day break from social media and just didn't post on Instagram, didn't do Instagram stories, which if you follow me on Instagram stories, I'm the money-saving mom there. I'm usually quite active posting there multiple times a day. I love it. But for Christmas, I was going to take Christmas Day off and then I decided I'd take Christmas Eve off. And then I ended up taking a few days after Christmas as well. And it was just a nice It was a good break. I felt like my soul needed to just quiet down. Quiet down? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Slow down. It is amazing how much social media produces unrest in your heart, you know? There are so many good things with social media, but I think there are times when it's really important to just take a break. And I usually am off every Sunday, which is really good, but I think to have an extended break was just 
really good, Mm -hmm. but I missed it and I'm glad to be back to it. So Jesse, tell us about, well, is there anything from Christmas that we want to make sure to talk about? We went to Kansas. It was a quieter Christmas. Um, We, uh, it was the first time in 18 years that we didn't have Christmas the way that we usually do. Yep. We had to be creative and we drove, which we usually fly. So that in and of itself was different. We've driven some for Christmas, but we've also flown. Um, and I think we, I don't know that we've ever driven for Thanksgiving and Christmas. No. We usually always fly for each, at least one of them. So it felt like we spent quite a bit of time in the car over that month, but we did. Um, but Kirsten did really well. And it was quieter because we didn't see as m- many family members. Um, and then also because we spaced it out and it, yeah, it, it we, just felt different. We celebrated Christmas on every day except for Christmas. Well, we did do something on Christmas Day. We did, but mainly our celebrations were, you know, bookends around it. So, Well, usually, we should clarify. So usually on, we spend Christmas Eve with both of our families. They live five minutes apart. So we do mm-hmm. something with both of their families both of our families. And then early Christmas morning, we go over to your family's house and we are there and unwrap gifts. And mm-hmm. um, then at around 1130, 12 o'clock, we go over to my family and we spend three or four or five hours. And then we go back to your family's house and have dinner and stockings and mm-hmm. usually stay there till really late. So Christmas Eve through Christmas day evening, it's jam packed and it's usually very loud and chaotic and lots and lots of people and the dog. And it's just, it's a lot. And so it felt very weird this year. We didn't go to your family's house on Christmas and we just did a small little thing with my family. And so that was felt really quiet. We did our own family Christmas though earlier. We did it on Sunday. And Mm -hmm. so we had done it um, and it was an all day thing and it was great, Um, but it was nice but there were, it, it just made us all realize how much these traditions that we've had for years are really special and we miss them. But we also talked to the kids about, you know, sometimes life changes and you have to adapt. Mm-hmm. And sometimes as you get older, traditions are going to change. And, and that's, it, it's, it's a bittersweet sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Jesse, you also went on a hunting trip. Yes, went on a duck hunting trip here this past weekend. That was a lot of fun. And you took Silas with you? Yes, I had the opportunity to take him with me, and he had gone through a hunter safety class. I, actually, he finished it right before our trip, or actually while we were on our trip on the drive. And uh, so that was fun to see how he, he was able to implement some of the things he learned while we were on that trip. Now, we, we got only a few ducks per day. So basically, it's how it averaged out, and it was uh, it was disappointing in that, but it was fun because Silas got to get his hands dirty, and we brought a duck home that needed to be breasted, and he went right into the kitchen right when we got home, took it out, and and went at it. So, so we had a first at our house. I think we. That's probably a first for that kitchen and kitchen sink as well. I would say. <laughs> But he did such a great job, and so I am not into the hunting and um, all the things surrounding it, but I was so happy for him to get that opportunity to go with you, and 
you know, he's 11 and I, he's kind of on that cusp between boy and man. Mm -hmm. And I just see every day he's kind of, there's that tension between which side am I on? And I think going on this trip for him just made him feel like I'm becoming a man. And I think him coming home and bringing his duck in and just putting it in the sink and just, you know, taking Mm -hmm. his knife and cutting it open and doing, I could just tell there was just this sense of fulfillment and sense of maturity Mm -hmm. that I, I don't know I'd seen in him before. And also great responsibility. He was being so careful. And I know you've taught him to just be really, really careful. Um, Did you want to talk about the duck hunt too? You didn't go, you stayed home and she missed, she missed you so much. It was just so interesting while she, while you were gone, she just wasn't herself. And as soon as you came home, it was like, she knows my daddy's home. Mm -hmm. And then she wasn't clinging anymore and she was just happy. Well, though, even though the duck hunt wasn't as successful as we had hoped, I did come back with more than I did last year. And that was, I still had my phone with me. That's right. I did. I did give you three instructions before you left. Um, Mostly sarcastically, but not okay. Not sarcastically, but not that I was being, I was sort of joking, but I said, you had taken your computer because Silas was going to finish the hunter safety right. course and you had just recently gotten a new computer. So I said, don't lose your computer. Don't lose your phone and don't lose your son. Yep. Those were the three most important things, which obviously the last one was the very most important because last year you had dropped your phone in the water mm-hmm. and the lake pond thing that was very murky and mm-hmm. you were not able to retrieve it. So. We were so happy that you came back with everything that you had gone with and some ducks. Yep. What's saving my life this week? I actually had a really hard time coming up with, not coming up with, but paring it down to just one thing. And I actually ended up picking two things because I talked about you had, Jesse, gotten the porch furniture, Mm -hmm. but then you added something else to, well, it's not the porch. It's our screened-in back deck slash porch. Mm-hmm. Um, you had gotten the furniture, but then you got something else that took you a lot of effort. <laughs> you put up string lights. And they were, instead of small string lights, you got the very kind of the larger ones that yep. look so cool because it's a higher ceiling. So that was great. But you quickly discovered that larger string lights require... Mm-hmm. Larger hooks. Well, there it was a heavier gauge wire, and because it's an outdoor light, and you had wanted to have something that would not cause damage to the to the wood, we could easily take down. So I that we wouldn't put all these holes in the wood, right? So I bought the uh, a lot of different command strips, and I really like the. They have these ones that are Velcro, but they're heavy-duty Velcro, and they stick tight together, because I've used them on a couple other projects, and I really like them. So I tried that, and thought, yo, you know what? It's going to work. Well, about 12 hours later, I looked outside, and one end had fallen, and the other one was getting ready to fall, and because they're so heavy, once one side goes, it just all follows. And we, we need to back up a little bit and say, you said 12 hours later and you, you skipped over the part of 
you acted like just putting them up was just kind of like you went out there in five minutes and stuck up some post-it notes. It <laughs> it required, well, decorating is not something that you and I, that's not our gifting. So it, it takes just to pick out which lights we wanted and then to figure out how do you string these lights? So you looked online mm-hmm. and then you wanted to string them in the way that I wanted them, which it's just a little bit more complicated when you're not people who are naturally creative and gifted in <clears throat> hanging things and decorating. I initially wanted to go back and forth uh, from side to side on the, across the ceiling because I thought, oh, that'd look cool. But we have a, a fan out there, and I was a little worried also that the fan blades would hit the hit the lights. But that didn't work. <laughs> So it was a lot of effort. So you strung it the one time, took a lot of effort, and then they fell down. And then did you I then- I think I strung them twice. I thought you strung, then you went out there, you tried something different. They fell down. And so then finally you went with hooks that you um, had to actually yep, make hooks. holes in the thing. But like we talked about, the good news was, is you figured out exactly where you needed to put those hooks. Right. And so had you started with hooks- Probably you wouldn't have known because third time's a charm. So <laughs> yes, so it was much easier, honestly, than yep. the third time. Definitely. But but hours and hours and hours and hours later, we finally have lights, and I appreciate. I look out and it just makes me so happy. So that was the one thing that is saving my life, and I haven't actually. It's been so cold that I haven't gotten to enjoy sitting out there as much as I would have liked. But spring is coming, and I can't wait. And then the second thing is something that you also did for our house, and that is you had the fireplace guy. What what, what do they call a fireplace guy? Well, he was chimney, chimney sweep, sweep uh, fireplace. I don't know what the word is now. Maintenance. I don't fireplace know. Fireplace technician. Yeah. Um, anyway. Does he do more than just sweeping the chimneys? So he came out, and for the first time since we have lived here, so almost three years. Um, we actually can turn on our fireplace and it feels so warm and cozy, even though it doesn't really add a lot of warmth. What kind of, it's just a, it's a gas, a gas, but it's, it's meant for more of the ambiance, mm-hmm. not actual There's warmth. There's no warmth coming from it. But it looks really cool. And if you go sit right close to it, you'll it, get warm. You'll get warm. So that's, those are the things that are saving my life because they're two things that I've wanted for a very, very long time. And you made them happen. So thank you. What's saving your life? Actually, and, and you're going to laugh at me for this. Oh, no. Because I don't think that I've necessarily said that it's necessarily saving my life. But the combination of Audible and Scribd. Okay. Because I've been able to read more books, quote unquote, read. Because I did my uh, review this year of how many books that I had gone through and went through 27, and my goal was 24. And if, how many books, like, what is your record of books read in that's a year? Prob- that's, I'm that's pretty probably sure that it. that's, I, I would say, not to put you down or anything, but I would say that that's double what you've oh, done in definitely. many because other if, years. And if it hadn't been for those two apps. I'm sorry. So so say that again. If it hadn't been for the- If who, I hadn't who? been for those two apps that you introduced me to- Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I would not have gotten anywhere near that. So, Well, I'm excited for you. And I- I'm enjoying it. 
And it's interesting because I feel like then you ended up getting into audiobooks and then I kind of fell off the bandwagon, but I'm getting back up onto it. And speaking of what books we've been reading, both of us actually finished listening to the same book mm-hmm. on the same day. And we didn't really even realize that both of us, were you listening to it on Scribbid? Yes, I was listening to it on Scribbid because we had started listening to it on our trip. Mm-hmm. And then we hadn't resumed listening to it after we got home. And I didn't know that you started back up again until I saw you were about done with it and you were listening to it. I was like, what in the world? I found it on Libby, the Libby app that has free audiobooks. It's a library app. So it ended up that we both listened to the book. It was called Code Name Lease. Mm-hmm. And you actually, is it like Lee's? I think I'm, I think it's Lee's. Um, and you had found this. Tell tell more how you found this book. Oh, it's a kind of a weird way of me finding it. I was on another author's, old Jack Carr's Instagram and was looking through the comments on one of his posts. And somebody had mentioned this project they were working on. And I found out, oh, this is actually an author that I have read before. And he talked about this book, Codename Lease. And so I looked into it. And I didn't realize that it was actually Larry Loftus who wrote the book on um, the spy, the last name of Popov, um, Into the Lion's Mouth. Which that you was had really and, enjoyed. Yeah, it was fascinating because it's the true story of um, the guy that was the influence of J- the James Bond character. So going and, and listening to this other book was actually pretty pretty fascinating as well. He's done, does a lot of research and in going into his books. Well, and what I understood is that he wrote this book after writing mm-hmm. into the lion's mouth. Is this correct? Thinking yes. that he was never going to be able to top that one because that was such an interesting story. And mm-hmm. so, but then once he researched for this book, it was very interesting. Now I will say, I think I didn't see it in writing because we only listen to it on audio. Mm -hmm. I can picture in my head that it might not be the most interesting book to read. I think it would be really hard to sit down and and finish it. It just had a lot of details that made it a little dry in Mm -hmm. parts. Or I, I felt like there were some sections that were hard to kind of follow all the things. Now, one thing I did notice, I the narrator, I didn't like the narrator's voice yeah, I'm, and the narrator's pronunciation of some of the names. I felt they were hard to follow who was who. And so I do yes. see the benefit of if I was reading the book and I was seeing the name, it would maybe have been easier for me to place because there were a lot of sections where there were lots of different names yes. that were being said and it was hard to kind of place. Now, wait. Which spy is that and which person is that? And is that a good person or a bad person? Which Mm -hmm. side are they on? And so there was some of that. But overall, I felt like it was, there were some very fascinating parts. Um, One thing that surprised me is that I would say 50% of the book was whenever the main characters were actually in prison. Mm -hmm. So that was surprising to me because whenever they got captured and I'm giving away some of it, when they got captured 50% of the way through, I was like, well, surely they're going to (laughs) escape right? because there's so much book left. And then they didn't, but it, it was really interesting to hear about their experiences in prison 
in the concentration camps. And I think mostly it was so inspiring of how creative they were and Mm -hmm. how steadfast they were and how, like, even if a nice meal was offered to them for different things, how they would say no kind of out of principle of like, I'm not going to let the enemy see me kind of cave to what they're wanting me to show that like, I'm really hungry or something like that. Mm -hmm. So it was just that grit and perseverance and that sort of thing was Mm -hmm. pretty, pretty impressive. But like I said, I don't know what it would be like to read the book and not listen to it. Mm -hmm. It was difficult for me early on because it was set in France. Mm-hmm. And she was French and was a spy for England because she had moved to England um, before she got married. So they were describing as far as where she lived, things like that. And the reason she became a spy uh, for the the British was because she knew France so well, and and the British were looking for descriptions. Um, illustrations, pictures of countryside in France, and and lo and behold, she's uh, turned over some pictures, unbeknownst to the actually to the wrong agency in Britain, and uh, end up getting hired by that agency doing espionage. And, and she never set out too. to do this. No, and she, the only reason she accident. even went to get the training was to prove to them that she was not a good candidate for this, and ended up being like getting these. The highest award, from she what was I the understood, highest decorated female spy, and actually, I think just spy in general in World War II. So, really fascinating that part of the story. So, again, that was called Codename Lee's, and we will link to that in the show notes. I didn't tell you earlier, but today's topic was one that we thought would be great as we were starting a new year. And we want to talk about how to develop new habits. Someone actually requested this topic. And I also, just as I am in the thick of starting out a new year, turning a new leaf and kind of, you know, thinking of goals and priorities and routines and all of that, I um, have been thinking of this for myself and trying to implement these things myself. And so I just wanted to share what I'm learning. And Jesse, I know you have some thoughts on this as well. So we sat down and... She's so excited about something. What are you so excited about? You see books? She was supposed to be asleep. We had her all asleep in her bed. We came down to do the podcast. And as soon as we came down here, we heard her on the monitor hollering for us in a very, um, very clear tone that she was not going to be going to sleep. So we're going to talk about how to develop new habits. And I wrote down five simple principles that have helped me, and hopefully they will be helpful to you. Um, I think, Jesse, you said that you felt that these were also things that have been helpful to you in developing Mm -hmm. new habits. And we wanted to mention that we did a podcast. It was actually episode 92, where we talked about how to change your life in 15 minutes a day. If you have not listened to that, I would recommend going back and listening to that. We will link to that in the show notes because that sets a great foundation for this and kind of takes a different approach to developing habits that will really come alongside and complement what we're going to say here. First off, keep it simple. Jesse, I know that both of us have the tendency to <laughs> bite off way more than we can chew. 
And it was funny because one of our children recently wrote uh, this big poster board for themselves of all of their goals and habits that they wanted to develop in 2021. And I just had to laugh because I thought, this is me. This is who I was. I mean, because I looked at it and I was like, kind of humanly impossible to do all of those things that you've put on that list for this year. But I also don't want to snuff out your excitement and, you know, zest for life for this year. So I'm Mm -hmm. just going to, you know, I said to this child, I said, so can you tell me what your plan is? But I have learned through a lot of trial and mostly error that keeping it simple is the is the best thing. And so just picking one or two habits that you really want to focus on. Right now, I'm really focusing on getting back on a good sleep schedule. And that is something that our kids had four weeks off for Christmas break. And we just kind of stayed up late and got up late and we just enjoyed the Christmas break and there's nothing wrong with it. But now we're kind of into feeling a little (laughs) jet lagged because of um, trying to reset our clocks. And so just keeping it simple saying that's what I'm going to focus on for the next few weeks. And I have some other habits as well, but that's kind of the main major one. And then the nice thing about keeping it simple and just having a few habits that you're working on at one time is that once you master one of those habits and it becomes a habit, you can easily add another right? and then master that one and then add another. And I look back at my life and see how there are so many things that I do that are just habits that I've developed that I don't even think about them anymore. Things like when the mail comes in, I go through it, I sort it, I file what needs to be filed, which basically that means I put it in what you need to have in your stack and put other things where they need to go and throw out what needs to be thrown out. And then I'm done. And then we never have piles of mail or things like in the morning, I just, without even thinking, get on my tennis shoes and go get on the treadmill. And when I'm on the treadmill, I read my book and I pray over my day. And at night before I go to bed, I look at my calendar and I write out my list for the next day. And so these are just things that you develop these habits over time. And once it becomes a habit that you do without thinking, then you can easily add another and another and another. So first off, keep it simple. I wouldn't do more than one because I need to have that focus and that laser like focus to go ahead and establish that habit. If I had more than one, it's going to distract me and you know, I'll be focusing on, oh, I need to get this done too and lose the focus of, of establishing that one particular habit. So maybe setting them in the order of priority. And then, like you say, once you establish that habit, move on to the next one. That's good. And I think knowing yourself too and knowing what you're capable of. And if you have set out this year and said, you know, I'm going to overhaul my life and you've set all these big goals and things you want to change and all of this, and you're feeling overwhelmed right now, go back to the drawing board. It's okay to cut it back. I'd rather that you focus on one habit and actually establish the habit. than you try to do 25 different habits and you just give up because you're Mm -hmm. overwhelmed. And you know, when you said that, it made me think I've heard some good advice that was given to people that are struggling with weight loss. And that is don't, overhaul your diet immediately. Just take or add one new thing. You know, stop drinking Diet Cokes every day. Or even just 
Stop so, drinking three. And stop go drinking to two. three and go to two. Right. Just slowly eliminate and, and same principle because then it's sustainable. So, mm-hmm. secondly, write it down. Don't just decide in your head. Don't just think about it. Don't just say, I want to. Actually, write it down. Make a plan. I want you to be able to tell me what you are going to do and when you are going to do it. Those are so important that you not only decide what habit you're going to do, but when are you going to add it into your life? Are you going to do it in the morning? One of the things I love to do is habit stacking, where you add on a habit to a habit you've already established. So let's say that I wanted to add on the habit of doing 10 push-ups every morning. Well, I already get on the treadmill every day. And so I could say my habit of doing 10 push-ups every day, I'm going to do it as soon as I get off the treadmill every day in the gym, in our basement, I'm going to. So you're telling yourself not only what you're going to do, when you're going to do it, but even where you're going to do it, if that's something that you need to decide as well. So then it's all pre-decided for you and you, mm-hmm. it takes out the busy work of like, oh no, I need to do this. When am I going to do it? How am I going to do it? And it kind of hangs over you all day. You just know because you've already decided. And so you don't have that decision fatigue over, you know, and that kind of extra energy taken away of when am I going to do this habit or I need to do this habit. You've already decided that. Another thing, when you write it down, change your wording. Don't say, I want to do such and such. Say, I do such and such. Don't make it passive, make it active. Because when you make it passive, it's still in the ethereal. It's still quite not quite reachable. But when you make it active, you're changing how you're approaching it and how you're viewing it and say, I'm doing it. Almost, I could say, and this is not a habit that I'm adding, but just for you know, examples like I do 10 push-ups every morning after I get off the treadmill in the gym instead of I want to, mm-hmm. but I do. Right. And, and I was thinking, even if you take out the, I will, yeah, it's almost as if I'm already doing it. So exactly. it's like, it's instead of saying, I want to be a runner saying I am a runner, it changes your mindset. So then you're kind of embodying that exactly. as who you are. Number three, make it public. And I feel like this really goes along with writing it down. But once you've decided, you know, what you're going to do, when you're going to do it and where you're going to do it, then actually put it out there to the world. If you don't feel comfortable putting it out on social media, tell someone, preferably someone who's going to be checking back in with you, not someone who just randomly walk by the grocery store and say, hey, by the way, da, 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 da because they're never going to see you again and you don't have that accountability. So I want you to make it public in some way, tell someone or post it on social media. And some personalities, this is more of a motivator than others. But I think regardless of your personality type, telling someone specifics can be highly motivational and important. Mm -hmm. Number four, And this is pretty obvious, but it's important. Do it consistently. And I really challenge you to to try to go for a streak where you don't miss any days. But if you do miss a day, instead of just being like, well, forget it. I missed a day. I'm I'm done. It's over with. I failed. 
challenge yourself to say, you know, occasionally I am going to probably miss a day, but I'm only going to allow myself to miss one day. So I never go more than 24 hours without doing this thing. I mean, maybe it's 36 hours, but so that you, that's what you're telling yourself so that if you do miss a day, you're going to give yourself that grace, but you, you're not going to be like, well, it's over. It's done. Streak mm-hmm. is shot. And I might as well just go back to not having that habit anymore. You know, one thing that, I mean, consistency is the key to anything. Whatever you're going to do, the consistency is the key. And that, honestly, that's something that I'm telling myself because you know me, I am not consistent and I need to be consistent. Um, one thing that I have found is, especially from working out, if I don't work out on Monday, it doesn't get done. And the likelihood is probably Tuesday, it's not going to get done either until I kick myself in the pants and Wednesday get get it done. And then, I, then the rest of the week goes better. So that first day is so important because if you allow yourself to and talk yourself out of doing what you need to do, you're probably going to have to pick yourself and pick myself up out of a hole. They say that good habits beget good habits and bad habits beget bad habits. And I think there is that trickle down effect, that ripple effect. And one thing I was going to challenge you on though, we were talking about, you were saying about how you say things. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that you said, I'm not consistent. And I would challenge you to say, I am consistent. Well, but it's not, I, I, no, maybe more, <laughs> maybe more saying I struggle with consistency so that it's, okay. it's more like it's separating you from this is who I am more right. to like, this is identity. something out right. here that is something I I'm, I'm working on. Mm-hmm. And that kind of separates it from your core identity to something that is like, I struggle with consistency. I recognize that and I'm working on it. Okay. That's one thing I'm consistent about. It's, not being consistent. <laughs> so, well, yeah, you can talk about them more. But it is amazing how That's true. the language that we use about ourselves really does set us up for success or failure. Mm-hmm. And when we believe something about ourselves and we kind of project that on ourselves, it is almost like this this uniform that we wear and mm-hmm. that we carry around with us. It's not even like baggage that we're rolling. It's It's like... This is this is who I am. Mm-hmm. This is the uniform I wear. I'm an inconsistent person. And internal dialogue is very important. And I said that on purpose. It's a dialogue because a lot of times we argue with ourselves mm-hmm. and saying, "No, I can't do that." He's like, "You need to do it." No, I can't. Make it a monologue and and changing the words that you use about yourself. Mm. And finally, track it regularly. I recently reread the book Atomic Habits by James Clear, which I cannot recommend highly enough. It's one of the few five-star books that I have read in the last few years. And I not only listened to it, but I also read it. It's that good. I listened to it and then I bought myself a copy. You know, frugal me, if I do that, it was a fantastic book. But he talks in the book about how important tracking your habits is. And if you want to be successful, you need to track your progress. And so I actually created a habit tracker 
just went into numbers on my computer. I don't create spreadsheets. If you follow me on Instagram, you know this. I don't do spreadsheets. I'm not someone who creates these beautiful printables. I don't know how to do that. But I can go into numbers and I can make a little, you know, lines that go both ways and put in there. And so I put in, I think it's 12 habits that I have that I'm wanting to do every day. And then I have a column for each day of the week. And it's super simple. You're shaking your head. I know because you could probably make this really no, cool. No, or you could probably no. do an app. You actually made a spreadsheet. It's not a spreadsheet. No, That's no, no. A spreadsheet. no, no, no. It's it's a because it doesn't have any of the cool like no it's type a, in it's the different numbers and it spits out something. It's not a spreadsheet. I don't do spreadsheets, and I can <laughs> I can talk about that like myself because that is a uniform that I'm going to wear. I don't do spreadsheets. Anyway, I created this spreadsheet. This thing. <laughs> on numbers. And so then every day, all I do is I just in the morning went after I read my Bible. So again, this is a habit to have a habit tracker, but in the morning, after I read my Bible, I have it actually stuck in my Bible reading stuff so that it's right there. And I just pull it out and I just look at the day before and I just check off the things that I did. And then I just put lines if I didn't do it. And it allows me to kind of be looking. So for instance, one of the things on there is that I will spend 15 minutes with you and each of the kids every day. And I don't, I know I'm not going to always hit that every day. And some people might be like 15 minutes, that's all. But for me, that's really engaged time, looking in your eyes, talking to you, being available and present. And I'd love for it to be longer than that, but at least that I'm making sure that I'm, you know, engaging and connecting with your hearts almost every day. But the other... It was yesterday I realized, you know, Silas, it had been a few days. And because I had this habit tracker and because I was tracking it every day, I could realize that and be like, I need to be intentional today about that. And so Mm -hmm. I have how many steps I want to take in the day, getting in, um, which is also part of my exercise. And then I have my Bible rating on there. I have time with you guys. I have taking my collagen. And so it's just, it's little things, eating a salad, but... Things that I know make a difference for me holistically as a person, as a parent, as a business owner, as a wife, as just myself, physically, these things make a difference. And so just putting them down there. Now, if, like I said, keep it simple. So I have been doing this for a while. So I do have 12 items on there and they're very simple things. And many of them are things that I don't really have to think about, but they're ones that sometimes I tend to fall off the bandwagon. And so putting it on there just make sure that I consistently have that habit. But you could just put one or two, or you could download an app that has where you can check off a box or whatever works for you, or you post it on social media. But some way I challenge you to be tracking your habits every day. And the thing that I love about having this non-spreadsheet is that I can see at a glance what the week has been. Now, if you were a real spreadsheet person, you would actually be tracking, you'd be inputting this all into the computer. So then you could, you know, look at three years ago on the 32nd week of the year, this is what I did. And here's how many, you know, that's too complicated to me. I won't do it, but I can do a little one week tracker every week. So you want to develop a new habit. Number one, keep it simple. Number two, write it down. Number three, make it public. Number four, do it consistently. And finally, track it regularly. If you need some more encouragement 
to develop habits, like I said, please go get a copy of Atomic Habits by James Clear. We'll link it in the show notes. You probably can find it at your library. I also found the audiobook on Libby. I hope that this encourages you for this new year, whatever God has ahead. I'm excited. We are excited to be back to doing podcasts. Thank you so much to all of you who listen in every week. Thank you for joining us today with a lot of background noise. Thank you. I just appreciate you letting us be a part of your lives. It means so much. And we'd love to hear from you. If you have not sent an email recently, I love for you to send an email. Tell me what your habit is for this upcoming year or what you're working on right now, or just introduce yourself. We always, always love your emails. You can email crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Have a great week and we'll see you back next week. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.